want a king and we want him now. We want a king and we want him now. We want a king. Charles, guess what? Guess what? It happened again. What's that? Oh, some knucklehead jumped up on the stage and did something to another person. No. Yes, yes, it happened again. The only difference is I never heard of the guy who perpetrated this one. You know, you know what this world needs? <laughs> some civil discourse? This world needs some civil discourse. But it's not in a safe space. <laughs> it is not in a safe space, kind of like that stage that people keep jumping up on top of. <laughs> yeah, people need to stop jumping on stages. So, hey, welcome back. We're so thrilled to have you here. This is Civil Discourse, and I am joined by the illustrious, the amazing, the wonderful Charles Sacrese. Well, I thank you for all those superlatives, and uh, I've got Dr. Conager on the other line here with me. <laughs> Someday we're going to tell that story, aren't we? <laughs> anyway. Dr. Mike, good to, good to be back in the studio with you. It is good to be back, and I'm thrilled to be here. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired of talking about these incidents, but it's incidences. Uh, it's a, it's a plural subject, I'm sorry to say. It is a plural <laughs> it's, subject. It's, it's sad, sad but true. Uh, in the recent past, um, there was another incident, and and I was completely unaware of it. Do you want to kind of give the run, rundown on it? So uh, at the end of our last show, we sort of touched on on this topic, and uh, in the in the week that has passed since, I don't think it has become any less of a, an issue. So uh, I think we're still in in a timely uh, way here. If you've been under a rock, uh, and and if so, by the way, congratulations, because I don't think there's any of us who are paying attention to the news today who don't wish we had a rock we could crawl under uh at least sometimes and uh for those of us on the uh, other side of the dirt uh of course we remember that uh, will smith had quite the performance at the oscars this past year and I... without going down that road again um we'll simply say that he disapproved of a certain uh host slash comedian's uh jokes uh referencing his wife jada and he expressed his disapproval by getting up on the stage in the middle of the taping and uh, slapping that particular comedian, Chris Rock, uh, across the face. Um, if you have managed to, to, to not hear that news, then congratulations. I am jealous and envious. Uh, the reason that matters, and we're not going to go down the road of Will Smith uh, here, but just as a point of uh, perspective, uh, recently, um, since then, Dave Chappelle was hosting, um, or introducing at least an event at the Hollywood bowl and someone down in the front row climbed up on the stage and attacked him, uh, with a weapon, which I believe was a knife. Um, fortunately, uh, he was not very <laughs> good, uh, of a, either an attacker or a yielder, wielder of, of weaponry. And I think he tripped. They both fell over, but uh, uh, Chappelle was not injured, and immediately a, a mountain of security came and, and hauled the uh, assailant away. But it raises an interesting question. I don't know if you heard this, Mike. Um, shortly, I don't remember if it was just before the Chappelle, I think it was, incident um, between the Oscars. Chris Rock had gotten up, I think, for the first time since the Oscars to do a live show. I, I don't remember if it was in Boston or where exactly. It doesn't matter. Um, but there was a heckler uh, who decided to uh, cause some disruption in the in the performance. And he wouldn't stop. 
it it uh, you know it was one of these I'm here to be a true dis- disruption to the uh, to the evening. And Chris Rock, still being a consummate professional, you know, addressed it directly, didn't ignore it. Uh, and in his addressing of it, he uh, he said, "What's this guy going to jump on stage and shoot me now?" And you know, get in the context of the Will Smith, you know, people got the joke, but it wasn't really a joke, if you know what I mean. Oh no, no, and uh, it's it's interest it's interesting, and and I'm going to tell you since we we've had that discussion, I watched a documentary about comedy. Mm-hmm. And how um, comedians are now being attacked um, and canceled, and all the other things. And and they talked about Chappelle specifically. They talked about uh, Gilbert Gottfried, who recently passed away, mm-hmm. and, and some other com- comedians who've been basically put through a lot um, for for making jokes. And uh, basically, the 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 premise of the documentary was uh, there's not going to be any comedy if we continue on this path. Uh, so, so now if comedians are being physically assaulted, it's a double whammy. I think it's important. So th- there are several things and, and I've written down a couple of notes, not to over prepare for this. Cause why would we want to sound prepared? Um, but th- there, there are several things to unpack in this and it, clearly why it agrees with that. Um, <laughs> if you if this is your first show uh mike's dog is often in studio with him and, and that's why it's and he often has a lot to share on uh on our topic so we always welcome his input he's not happy with a guy who attacks Chappelle either because Chappelle's his favorite comedian well, there it is there it is um so there's a wider conversation and i want to get to that but before we do let's let's deal with with the specific idea of comedians and there's a little historical perspective here that I don't know if everyone is aware of, but the role of a comedian goes back to, uh, well, about as far as recorded history goes. And if we go back to, say, the Renaissance period, um, or even before that, there was a, there was a an individual called the court gesture. And that was what we would think of as the modern day comedian, relatively speaking. And yes, his job was to entertain and and to be funny uh, for the benefit of the king primarily, or the monarch at least, but also for the monarch's guests, the guests of honor, whoever it was that he was employed by or for. And many of the the great writers and scholars, uh, playwrights, Shakespeare is no exception, have noted that in addition to entertainment and perhaps even more so than that role, it was the gesture or the comedian who had the singular role of telling the truth. His job, her job in rare occasions, but he was usually a male dominated <laughs> career path, um, was to say the things that nobody else could say in jest, which is where that term comes from, the, and and I I can't remember if it was Shakespeare, but the, the phrase "many a truth is told in jest." This idea that the comedian is the person who can make us look at the things we otherwise don't necessarily want to, and really think about things from a perspective that we otherwise wouldn't necessarily consider. It's a very very important social role, and. If you look at the great comedians of contemporary time, 
and you can help me going down the list. In fact, we've had this conversation. If we, we were to put we a list of who are the great comedians in order, I mean, you'd have to go back to Moms, Mabley, Red Fox, uh, you know, I'm right on down the line. Uh, uh, help me out here. Uh, well, the guy, the guy who kicked the door down, didn't even bother to open it. The guy who really, I, in my opinion, who kicked the door down uh, for those who came before and after, because Red Fox, of course, was then empowered to say things he wasn't able to say before is Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. Um, and, and if you talk, if you listen to interviews with Richard Pryor, George Carlin, all the modern guys, including Chappelle and Chris Rock, they all bring up Lenny Bruce, all of them. And I think this has been just this is a little bit of a side chat and maybe there's a whole nother podcast for 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 this conversation. But uh, Lenny Bruce was big right around the same time as the moms, Mapley. Yes. Um, and who actually she had, she was on the latter part of her career, if memory serves. Um and so there's a, there's a deeper research to, to this topic, but anyhow, Lenny Bruce is a great example, and he suffered, he suffered a lot uh, for telling, to, for speaking truth. I mean, he was arrested consistently. In fact, uh, I read once that he started wearing his raincoat on stage, which is the quintessential image we have of Lenny Bruce today. Um, he started not taking his jacket off because he knew chances are he'd probably be arrested before the end of his set. And he wanted to make sure he had his coat on when he went to jail. That's not <laughs> a joke, ladies and gentlemen. That's a fact. That's a fact. And, <laughs> and he, in this documentary, he's, he's a major part of the documentary because he did change comedy so much. Yeah. Uh, they, they had recordings of him greeting the police officers who lined each side of the club who are ready to arrest him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of, and, and a good evening to all our brothers in blue on each side of the stage. Uh, kind of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing where comedians are now coming under attack uh, because they do tread a line, you know, and sometimes they go across the line and, and people are offended, but, um, and you and I have also talked about what happened to Bill Maher back uh, in 2001 timeframe where he was fired from all his jobs because he crossed that line. Uh, well, I th- was that the beginning of, of what's now become called cancel culture? Would you yes, say? I would, I would say it was. And, and, and it's interesting to me that uh, some of the most famous people who've been canceled were canceled by folks who are essentially in the same political camp they are. <laughs> so For fear it would damage, you know, the image of themselves or, or, or whatnot. I, I don't know. And, and, and you know, I, I think. While while we think each and every person should should be able to express themselves, I, I just find it hard to accept that the arts are under attack at this level. Um, comedians are going to offend you. They just will. Don Reckles made a whole career that's out their of job. everybody. <laughs> so. it, no, I mean, let's let's be honest. That's their job. Their well, job is, is to be offensive. But just like this show, it's our, our role here is not to 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 avoid offending you all the listeners it's but it's not to offend you either that's not our goal either it's to put real ideas on the table un, un, unadulterated by considerations of of offense and force at least those of us in this room and those who might bless us with their their time to listen to really think about some stuff that i think we have stopped allowing ourselves to really consider in, in, in the sense that we are afraid to t- broach that topic with this group of people in this setting 
because it will become an unpleasant conversation or perhaps lead to something worse. And that's what's happening around our dinner tables. And that's what's happening on the stage. Right. And it's exactly the same thing. And this is what, I mean, God, if there isn't a a bullseye for the purpose of this show, Civil Discourse, here it is, that we should be able to put ideas that perhaps don't always go hand in hand on a table and discuss them and listen to them. And if we don't agree with them, you know what? You can get up and you can walk out of the show or you can just not buy any more tickets to that particular performer anymore, or you can say no to dinner next time, but you don't have to take a knife and jump on the stage. You don't have to walk up and slap somebody. You don't have to find them in the alley with a gun afterwards. And it sounds like I'm being extreme, but we have example after example after example of people going to that extreme. And, you know, it is going to happen where people say, you know what, whatever, there, there aren't as many people I think, and maybe I'm wrong, hopefully I am wrong, that are going to weigh the value of what they're doing over the value of their own life. Screw it. I don't. Chris Rock doesn't need the money anymore. The Lenny Bruce's of the world are few and far between. He was willing to go to jail over and over and over again, and and acknowledge the fact that because of choices he made. There's a a video of a Steve Allen show uh, where he sang a whole song about how he was never going to have a family. He was never going to have a relationship that lasted because decisions he made, and and it was very prescient uh, of what happened in his career. uh, he was he was due to go to prison when he died. And, and so there are some of those who think it was actually intentional that he died the way he did um, of a drug overdose, if I remember correctly. But, you know, here, here's the thing is, is I would bet and I, I don't know this, but I would bet a Chris five dollar bill that Dave Chappelle and I probably don't agree on a lot of issues politically, but he is one of my favorite comedians. and. and his show would make me uncomfortable from time to time, not because it wasn't funny. It was hysterical, but, but <sighs> the black Klansman, you can't watch that and not be just a little uncomfortable with that, regardless of your race. I think regardless. that's an idea. I think that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, he did, a, I, in one of his very first episodes, he did one where they were drafting people of other races. So, you know, the white people would draft so-and-so and then the Asian people would draft so-and-so. And so, you know, the white people drafted Tiger Woods and, and then the Asian people drafted so-and-so and then the black people drafted. Uh, to be clear, I, the, I the Asian people drafted the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, the Wu-Tang Clan. There it is. There it is. So, and so the white people drafted Keith, Tiger Woods. I, I watched that episode many times. So producer Keith uh, uh, helps us out there. But I'm sorry. I, is it a little offensive? Sure it is. Was it hysterically funny? Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> so that's the point. You know, it's, it is it is the things that make us uncomfortable that make us laugh. By the way, that's why we laugh. That, well, that's that, why that's, we like Rickles. That's the point. Rick, Rickles skewered your ox. He was going to skewer someone else's in three seconds. <laughs> you know? So, so you said something that uh, with reference to Lenny Bruce, not that he uh, was the only person who dealt with this, but he's th- the perfect example, which was that, you know, he was willing to go to jail time and time again for the right and privilege, I'd argue, but definitely the right to 
speak his truth and right. and 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 hold a mirror up in a real way to the society he was in. Here's the difference. That was the man, so to speak, saying no to Lenny Bruce. Right. Right. There's a difference between that, which is not okay. Don't get me wrong. There, but there's a difference between the man, uh, and and if you don't know what I mean by that, that's you know Johnny Law, the 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 system, uh, stepping in and saying no. One of our family jokes almost came out of my mouth, but <laughs> we have a whole. While your of audience things. is applauding you. Okay. Where and what we're dealing with today is the 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 man, so to speak, has officially backed away for the most part. There may be other subversive ways in which certain people are being shut down, but out in the open, the man has stepped away, and now we have small groups, and not all that small, uh, in some cases, uh, perhaps growing groups of the audience. Uh, who are dragging people off stage and so forth. And that to me is not only equally wrong, but almost scarier, if that makes sense. No, it, it makes perfect sense. And, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned on previous episodes, uh, my family left Nazi Germany uh, mm. when the Nazis were in power to come to the United States. And uh, people act like that's some kind of cultural anomaly that tyrants could get power like that as if the Germans were, were much dumber than Americans are. Uh, but you know, the war is waged in the arts first mm -hmm. first, and then it comes to the rest of culture. And um, I, I, I think what I struggle with here is Lenny Bruce did knock down the door, no doubt. And he knocked down the door as far as, the boys in blue who were doing the will, who were exercising the will of the political powers at the time uh, and, and allowed us to see George Carlin and mm -hmm. Richard Pryor and all these guys who came right after him. I mean, literally on the heels. Forward. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And then Red Fox, of course, who was a contemporary explodes uh, and eventually becomes a television and movie star uh, because of, of his work along with his, his fellow comedian, Lenny Bruce. But what happens when the doors put back up and nailed shut by elements within society mm -hmm. and not political powers. Well, and the, th and this, this is an interesting balance because, uh, politics being, what is it? 90% perception. What is the phrase? Um, often the, the politician, uh, and, and, and of course, the sleaziest being at the front of the line, but uh, you know anyone who's pragmatic in politics, it, to some degree, is going to be influenced by the will of the masses, or at least their ability to interpret the will of the masses in a way that goes along with their program. And at some point, you will start seeing that reflection in policy. That social reflection in the audience will start to show up in policy. Um, or at least other forms of the man, you know, catching up to the time. And so, you know, in 
it's 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 a it's a dance that we do in societies we we you know the 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 pendulum swings we used to have a certain degree of handcuffs on uh you know even though technically you had freedom of speech there was plenty that you were not allowed to say that had nothing to do with public safety i mean they you still can't call fire falsely in a theater and things like that but it was understood that Lenny Bruce did not have the freedom to say what he wanted. I don't care what the First Amendment said, you know, hundreds of years earlier. Right. We right. have that we, we got around to that. Not that everybody liked it, but because of people like Lenny Bruce really paving the way um, with his sacrifice. And, and I think to a degree, his ultimate sacrifice. And he wasn't alone there. Um, you know, we got around to, like you said, opening the doors for a Dave Chappelle today to say what he wants. However, now the shackles are being put back on. It's just coming from a different place because cancel culture. It, what is that if not an, a, a violation of the First Amendment just being imposed from a different place? And I agree, sadly. A lot of the folks who say things offensive deserve some public backlash. And I, I, I don't disagree, you know, when some, I, I'm trying to think of, of some extreme example uh, of someone who just said something terribly offensive. Uh, Rockwell, the guy, George Lincoln Rockwell, the Nazi from the seventies, he deserved scorn. He deserved public ridicule. He also deserved to be able to say what he wanted to say, whether he got an audience or not. Uh, well, and, well, that's the key right there, isn't it? I, I, you know, the backlash is not an issue. Backlash can take many forms. Backlash can be a, no one ever buys your tickets anymore. Um, you know, the, the, it's the, there are many forms where the public can express its power in a civil way. Um, but instead of having the police come and rip you off the stage, we now have it where the corporate, the corporation is doing the policing. Um, and, and it's, 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 uh, it, it, it's retroactive policing, you know, once you've stepped in it, then they come along and they cancel your contract. You know, a Whoopi Goldberg uh, was slapped on the wrist for, and I, as I sit here, don't remember the exact comment, but it was something she said on the view that, about um, Jews and we're white, so it wasn't yeah, a racial thing. Yeah, that something like that. And yeah. and look, we can, <laughs> we're not going to go down the road with with the merits of what she said, but the, the corporation she works for decided her slap on the wrist needed to be, uh, you know, she was off the air for a couple of weeks or whatever the case was. And there are all kinds of different examples of that. But in some cases, they're never allowed back on the air. Um what, what bothers me with this is uh, whether I agree with Whoopi or not. And, and I kind of, you know, if you're thoughtful, you can understand what her logic was, whether you agreed with her or not. I don't particularly agree with that sentiment, sentiment but I see what she was trying to say. Uh, you know, the melanin levels in both those groups are essentially the same. Uh, I, I don't know that that's particularly untrue. So well, I, and, I, and I would argue, again, doesn't matter whether we agree with it or not. The, the, it, here's the danger. Here's a perfect example of the danger. It goes from you've said something offen that's questionably offensive. 
and we can't afford to allow our ratings and therefore our bottom line to be affected by that. So to look as though we are being, you know, with the people, so to speak, um, woke, whatever the hell that means, uh, we're going to do this symbolic slap on the wrist. In other cases, it's not symbolic. They completely fire a person. But what's interesting is it starts with something that you say, a Bill Maher, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, and then it starts to be with something that you've been accused of doing. Right. Doesn't have to be proven right. Doesn't have to be proven innocent or guilty. Just the fact that it's now in the public and there is an eyebrow being pointed in the direction of this individual who works under this um, corporate umbrella. Therefore, the umbrella uh, corporation is being looked at with ire. We, we have to remove ourselves. Johnny Depp is a beautiful example of this in contemporary culture. We have a situation where. This man is, I, I, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not following it. But I'm not either. Every now and then I, I get a glimpse. And what it sounds like it's turning out to be is that he was falsely accused. And, uh, in, and as the evidence is being presented and blah, 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 that accusation is turning out to be more and more uh, questionable. Questionable is probably the right word. We'll never know the truth. No. But it, it, he the, said, she said. But the bottom oh. line is, clearly, he has not been proven guilty, um, and it's not looking like he's going to. And yet, the damage to Johnny Depp, at least for right now, I imagine he'll bounce back just fine. But here's a, a man who who's been falsely accused of something, who the perception was in question. And before we get dragged into the mud because of this person who works for our company, he was fired from just about every contract he had, you know, film and, and so forth. And, you know, he has the right to counter soon. I think he is for those losses and so forth. And, you know, it is it's it'll be what it's going to be. But you and I don't have the resources of a Johnny Depp. And yet we can absolutely still be finding ourselves in the same position um, where we are erased. How many teachers have been their careers have been ended with a a, unsubstantiated uh, accusation uh, or even suggestion, not even an accusation? Um, you know, this, uh, you go on and on with examples like this. And so it starts there at the top and then it starts to trickle down into the lives of us mere mortals. <laughs> That's, but it's such a true statement. You know, we, we talk about in corporate America being your authentic self. Well, you're, you can be your authentic self as long as you agree with me. Yeah. Can you be your authentic self if you and I are diamond? Well, you and I can, but I'm talking in, in the, in the big social setting. Can you be your authentic self and disagree vehemently? You know, I'm one of my favorite politicians, uh, and I don't have favorite politicians. I should say one of my favorite statesmen said, "We don't have the First Amendment, so we can talk about the weather." And and I uh, I, I always thought about that. That means that you have the right to offend me. Well, it. It, it's an interesting thing. I I wonder to what extent it is my responsibility to worry about offending you. I think it is, it's, there's a difference between attacking a person and inadvertently offending them. I think we're talking about idea at this philosophical level. We're not talking about you using inappropriate language or calling my wife a bad name. By the way, the oldest your your mama joke is 3,500 years old. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> so it, it's not about that kind of stuff. I think it's when you present an idea and I find your idea offensive. And But I'm not, I, 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 I didn't wake up this morning with the intention to offend you or the plan or, or the interest. I woke up this morning with an idea. Right. And, and you know, the thing that bothers me with that is, is I can't conceive of the idea that it should offend me. Now I may vehemently disagree. Mm-hmm. I may think that you're absolutely uh, wrong. I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I have a very, and you know, this, uh, I have a pretty sincere uh, set of held religious beliefs. If you came to me with something completely contrary to that, I would vehemently disagree with you. I would argue with you about it in, in a, civilized fashion, but I don't think you could offend me with that. I would say, I believe you're absolutely wrong, Charles, but that doesn't mean you've offended me. Well, I mean, that would be considered somewhat enlightened thinking, but as we know, history has allowed uh, offensive, uh, offense over religion to lead to all kinds of, uh, messy situations, which we'll probably touch on in our next show. Um, but pretty soon you have 10 million Jews who've been exterminated because you found their ideas offensive or, or, well, and, and, or you became a a convenient place to put, of course. uh, Yeah. You know, but anyhow, that's, that's another pod, um, which we will get to, I'm quite certain, but I want to loop back to something here getting, because we've, we've started going down a a field here. Um, rabbit holes. (laughs) 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 So a couple of things and and I'll throw the idea out there and then let's see where it goes and then I'll bring it back. But just in, in these last couple of weeks, we had Will Smith lead to the Dave Chappelle incident. Now, was the guy who attacked Dave Chappelle directly uh, influenced and inspired by Will Smith? We will. We, we don't know that. Don't know. But if we were aliens circling the globe and watching events and trying to make sense of this mess down here on the ground, it would be hard to ignore the proximity of those two events. And it opens up an interesting question about what are the the unspoken or in some cases official obligations of celebrity and high profile individuals where the influence on the common man, as it were, um, their uh, role model status. What, where do we see, you know, if we're going to put a name on it, do they have a responsibility because of their position having influence, whether they agreed to it or not? Do you understand my question? Oh, I, I, I understand your question. I, I am, my head's racing a hundred miles an hour because I don't remember who it was who said your mom and your dad should be your role models. I'm not a role model. I can't remember who it was. I, 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 I don't remember who it was either, but I do remember that quote. And, and you know, there are role models out there. We can, we can look at, and, and we can look at medal of honor awardees and we can look at moms and dads and teachers and pastors and, and, uh, social activists, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. And, and there are a lot of people we can look at and say, that's a role model. I, I'm not trying to attack. I like Dave Chappelle. You know this. I'm a huge fan. Uh, 
is Dave Chappelle supposed to be a role model? And if he is, what does that say about our society as or, a whole? Or Will Smith or the, no, okay. So or, let me, or Chris Rock or any, any comedian uh, slash actor. So let me put another layer on it then just to complicate this. But just to interject oh, real ahead. quick. It was Charles Barkley quote. I'm not uh, a role model. You. I'm not paid to be a role model. I'm paid to wreck, wreck havoc, wreak havoc. Sorry. I'm paid to wreak havoc on the basketball court. Parents should be role models. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So Charles Barkley said that. Now, here's here's the interesting thing. Did Charles Barkley have an endorsement contract? He did. He did. Now, this is what's interesting. How many people, especially athletes, have been removed from their contracts because of behavior that came out that was not uh, in line with the image of the contract they had? You know, the gentlemen, we talked about earlier, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods lost millions and millions of dollars worth of deals when we found out that he was not faithful to his wife. And and even that is interesting because I'm going to compare Tiger Woods to um, who's the swimmer. Uh, I'm suddenly forgetting his name. Uh, uh, Michael Phelps. All right. Tiger Woods in almost every way that we knew of as far as saw in the in 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 public was a clean cut guy he had s- some stuff that he did in the context of his family that was not so clean cut but it was pretty much behind closed doors right his his public image was squeaky clean absolutely michael phelps had was was seen in public smoking weed, which we can debate how bad that is. But at That's the time, <laughs> but at the time, that was considered not cool, uh, socially speaking. Now, here's the thing: when you th- there's an argument to be made that when you agree to accept money uh, in an endorsement from a Nike, from a Reebok, whatever it is. Part of what you're agreeing to do, part of what you're you're accepting in in payment of that money is to maintain an image and a and they're in a behavior that is conducive to the uh, the positive continuation of that uh, brand. And so there's a good argument to be made that if you foul up that image, you are in breach of that contract. And in many cases, that's in the contract, literally. You must maintain an X and Y uh, uh, public persona um, if you want to continue to get this $10 million a year to years with our name uh, for endorsements. But there's a fine line, I would argue, between something you do in public um, that is is seen in a, in a social setting and something that happens between your wife and your kids or whatever. Um, <laughs> well, if we go back to the era when men wore hats, which we've talked about before, <laughs> I wear hats back outside because I sunburn otherwise. <laughs> well, and, and being a bald man, yes. I'm the same way. But, but I think the point I was getting ready to make is that we all know that Frank Sinatra was not squeaky clean. We all know that Frank Sinatra behaved exactly the way Tiger was behaved, uh, as far as his faithfulness to his spouse. I don't know the other stuff, but he wasn't doing it with cell phones in the room with them taking right. pictures. And he wasn't doing it with a 24 hour news cycle that yes. was on all 24 of those hours. And, and just loved the idea of exposing uh, a family literally self-destructing on the screen. Mm-hmm. And while that did certainly happen to those 
pre-1960s uh, uh, movie stars, it wasn't put in the news for obvious reasons uh, because it wasn't considered public. It wasn't the public's business. And um, now we think everything's our business. And well, in journalism so, at the time, there was also an understanding. There was an agreement. Of, yeah. there, there, was a, there was an unwritten agreement yep. between the Hollywood journalists and the stars of what they – Wrote right. and didn't write. Well, not just Hollywood. Time. I would argue yeah. political journalists. True. I mean, yeah, that too. Yeah. You didn't show FDR in the wheelchair. It was just exactly. understood. And, and we, you know, like it or not, John Kennedy had his. No. Too. No. And, and oh, so. to, to, to go back to Charles Barkley real quick, by the way, I, I was reading more about that. That quote actually comes from a Nike advertisement. That was a commercial campaign. Oh, really? Charles Isn't Barkley. Charles Barkley actually pitched the idea to Nike to do a anti-role model commercial where he's walking around randomly in the commercial talking about how he's not a role model while wearing Nike gear. Because you think about it, Nike is known for doing campaign ads uh, to basically raise brand awareness, whether it's good or negative. Think about their last one they did a couple years ago with a um, uh, former NFL quarterback. I can't even his oh, name. Also. Kaepernick. Kaepernick. You know, they made him his new spokesperson and it divided the community. Some people went out and bought those shoes. Some people burned their shoes. Mm -hmm. But in, in Nike's uh, viewpoint of advertisement, if you're talking about the brand, that's you, all they care about. As long as our name's in the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. You got the name and the yeah. no news is good news in their in their eye. I do not own any Nikes and it's not for any political reason. I just don't own Nikes. But when that happened a couple of years ago, my response was good on them. They know their target audience. They're speaking their target audience's language and they are now in national conversation. So, you know, it, 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 I, I, and don't misunderstand. It's not whether I agree or disagree with Colin Kaepernick and I, I won't share that. Uh, but, but the point is it, to your point, they were willing to be edgy on freedom of speech and gave a forum to controversial folks in both cases with Barclay and Kaepernick to, to have a public forum to speak. And I suppose somebody wanted to cancel him, but. But there, there is a it. difference in the fence here. Um, I mean, some people may not feel that way, but I, I would argue there there's a, a difference between expressing a, 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 a political social, a, a social, um, how do I want to say this? A sense of responsibility. Okay. Whether you agree with it or not, what Kaepernick was doing was expressing through his First Amendment rights a his feeling about a social responsibility. And, you know, agree with it or not, he was doing it in, an, in, what, in no harmful way. Nobody was being hurt. Nobody was being cheated upon. No drugs were being engaged. You know, this was something he was doing that a lot of people didn't care for the message, but it was being done in a responsible way. I, okay. Whereas the Tiger Woods thing or the Michael Phelps thing, you know, this is down in, in the dirt, so to speak, as you know, it's, it's not a high minded ideal. It's a, a humanistic failing is, is, is the difference that you could argue. So the image of, of decency, um, in, in the personal decency is is a little bit different as the corporation may feel it reflects upon them. And there was a lot of support 
from a wide-reaching movement for what Kaepernick was doing. And Nike, I think, saw an opportunity to, let's be honest, capitalize on it. It's not because Nike was thinking, hey, this is a great thing and we want to be behind it. Oh, they wanted to make money. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Let's be real. Um, But so, so, okay, now let me put another layer on this. What happens when that celebrity... Okay, different than Charles Barkley, who's saying, I have never signed up, agreed to, or had any voluntary part on being a role model. As opposed to a Bill Cosby. Who made himself the moral uh, judge and and jury of of a generation of young men. Okay. And and attack other celebrities. For not not living up to what he was expressing as as his own standard. Right. Okay. I I don't think anybody's going to disagree that this was a man who, and and that's another podcast, but it's an interesting, he's, he's one of the most extreme examples of a celebrity choosing to make himself a, a role model and doing so in a pretty fabulous way for a lot of years before we found out what was going on. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't think of old Bill Cosby, uh, you know, or I I said that wrong, young Bill Cosby, (laughs) as as, uh, a role model worth worth modeling oneself after. I mean, he was intelligent, educated, funny, family values. You know, a lot of what he was calling out was not wrong. No. And, (laughs) you know, I entered into fatherhood when his book Fatherhood came out. Yeah. And read it and and tried to to learn from it. And, you know, he helped perpetrate the idea that he was America's dad. um, And no doubt. And was America's dad. There's no, there's no, uh, he was America's dad. And uh, to this day, if if I see an episode of the Cosby show, I always stop. And which episode is this? Is this the one where he takes the kids to the fancy restaurant and they want the burgers from the joint across the street? Uh, Which was the last one I watched, by the way. (laughs) I I mean, uh, yeah, he, I, I, and then we find out he's doing all this stuff. And how many of us, including yours truly, oh, Bill Cosby would never do that. They're just making up stuff. It's, it was very hard to, to accept. It was very hard to accept. It, it also became very hard to deny. <laughs> well, and, and so the folks who, who don't know, you and I came to the realization right about the same time as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, because we discussed it, that how we both were just devastated to find out that it was indeed true. There was no denying it. And uh, even though he's out of prison now. Um, well, yeah. and 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 I, that's that's a topic to return to because that is the technicality of that legal process is worth our consideration as citizens, frankly. Um, and we'll come back to that. But let me com- let me make another comparison here, and and I think we have about seven, six, seven minutes left um, before we need to wrap this up. But Bill Cosby made himself the. Uh, ethical and moral center of, of whatever you want to call him. And he relished in the role. And so when his fall from grace happened, it was probably well-deserved, frankly. Um, Lance Armstrong. Now here's a guy who was an athlete and uh, was without argument, an amazing athlete. I don't remember now. And, and, and he, the Armstrong, what is it, Live Strong? Right, Live Strong. Did amazing things. And, and I'm going to compare that to Bill Cosby because 
Bill Cosby, even when he was doing terrible things, was also doing amazing things. A lot of people were helped by the work of Bill Cosby. And I don't like the idea that those good things or the people who benefited from those good things, including the other people on his show, are tarnished by those genuine acts of good because of the egregiousness of his other acts. I struggle with that. Lance Armstrong, who dealt with cancer himself, had a foundation who was, and I don't know, still is, uh, even if it's under a different name perhaps, uh, doing amazing work for cancer uh, patients and, and, and sufferers. And I don't remember ever hearing Lance Armstrong talk about himself as any kind of moral or ethical uh, uh role model am i wrong there no no i don't think you're wrong there i think why he got such serious and severe backlash is he destroyed a few people using the legal system who saw him doing exactly what we found out he was and he lied i mean he did lie he he not only lied he destroyed their careers because he had such power in the biking world that they couldn't get sponsorship and could no longer race and um and that's not um, cool. Don't get me wrong. No, I'm not justifying here. He canceled, he canceled other folks who were telling the truth is essentially what he did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and I, I must admit, I don't know that we've ever talked about Lance Armstrong. I have never been a Lance Armstrong fan from the beginning. Uh, and, and it wasn't really, you know, you pick your favorites and, 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 and it has, doesn't have to be rational. But in biking, I was a big time biker for a long time. I, I just didn't like something about Lance Armstrong. And maybe it was because he was too successful. Um, But yeah. And so there was a little bit of, I hate to say it, a little bit of delight to see the giant fall uh, in his case. Schadenfreude. Yes, yes, very much so. And I I don't, I'm not proud of it, but I was like, yeah, he got his. Um, You know, he got his, but but the biking industry and the biking community He's just the tip of the iceberg of the entire steroid epidemic in biking. Oh, yeah. Hincapie was right there with him. Because everyone, basically, because I listened to an interview that he did a couple years afterwards, and the confessions of, like, you know, there was a time where they weren't winning, and it was, if you don't do it, you're not going to win. Well, the same thing happened in, in professional bodybuilding. Schwarzenegger wouldn't be Schwarzenegger. I mean, none of these people, in, in, and I happened to know for a time some people who were retired, but professional, they said, you didn't get to compete. I mean, that's all there was to it. But these people also didn't necessarily lie about it. They just avoided the topic. I mean, Lance Armstrong reached such a high profile place. And then when the accusations started to come out, he was dishonest. I can understand why. Not that I'm justifying, but I can understand why. Um, Destroying other people's careers in the process, not so cool. Um, You know, up to the extent that you're protecting yourself and no one else is being harmed. I'm not justifying, but I can understand what the thinking process is. But uh, hurting other people in that in, in that uh, self-protection based on a lie, that's not cool. But it does bother me that there is genuine good work that a lot of these people who are extremely faulted have, have, have done that uh, has gone down the drain because and of it. Live Strong is, a, is probably the most... Uh, uh, obvious example of, of an organization founded by a flawed human being that was doing amazing stuff. Yes. And, and it's unfortunate. Uh, they are still around. I did some quick looking. 
but it is unfortunate that they probably don't have near the influence they did it at no, one point. Most, most people aren't wearing the bands anymore, such as no, it were. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, with cancer research and, and the support they gave cancer patients, did that need disappear because Lance Armstrong wasn't no. a good guy? No. So So with that question uh, left in the air, uh, I've been given the uh, two minute uh, mark here by uh, uh, Keith in the window, which says we're coming to the end of our episode. Any closing thoughts or considerations, Dr. Conager? Well, you know, I I think in the end of any time you have a civil conversation, you end up with more questions at the end. than (laughs) That's how it's supposed to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. (laughs) And and I think... um, you know, we, we, we broached on some sensitive topics and, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but we're not thinking that any of these people behaved in a, a decent fashion, uh, meaning uh, Armstrong, Tiger Woods, and um, some of the other folks we brought mm-hmm. up. Yeah. But I think we just need to, to ponder on the social ramifications of, of, of losing an organization like Live Strong. Or a comedian like Lenny Bruce. Or yeah. seeing Dave Chappelle assaulted by someone who, by the way, was carrying something that looked like a gun, but it was a knife. Yeah. It's scary stuff. I, I'm not sure how we got from 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 that attack to uh, live strong, but it was a fun journey. <laughs> oh, it's a fun journey. And I want to thank you for, for coming along on that ride with me. But I think you have a list of folks that we need to make sure we thank because they're working really hard behind the scenes. And we could triple their salaries and they still wouldn't be making a whole lot of money. So. No, but but uh, they'd be worth every penny of it. So we'll start with our illustrious uh, producer, Keith Zedroyal V. Thank you always uh, for your support and your input. We love hearing from the, from the booth here. Uh, Sacred Heart University, the School of Communication and the Arts, Dr. Jim Castingay, uh, the Lazarus Trio, the, uh, the great Carl Groves and uh, Mike Conager, uh, uh, Koniger. Hopefully you'll say it right, but he's saying it wrong on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, my co-host and and good friend and and brother from another mother, Dr. Mike Koeniger. Amen. Thank you so much. And let's go forward with more civil discourse. We want a game. We want a game. We want a game. We want a game. We want him now, we want a king. Surrender